Today on Power Tips Unscripted, we talk to our very own Michael Hodgen, consultant and owner of Maestro's Toolbox. Most people would be convinced that if a company went from $1.5 million to $3 million in revenue, it had experienced growth. However, when we look beyond gross sales, those numbers don't necessarily mean a company has grown. It could even mean that it is less profitable and ultimately less successful than it was before. Michael is here to explain how tiered increases are a better strategy for deliberate, healthy growth. And we'll hear his process in just a second. It's not a tumor. It's a quest. It's a quest for fun. Hi, I'm Victoria Downing, and welcome to Power Tips Unscripted, where we talk about tips, tactics, and techniques to help you build a strong, profitable remodeling company. And I'm here with my co-host, Mark Harari. Well, hello, Victoria. Oh, hello there, Mark. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you today? Good, good. And I'm, I'm excited, again, as I always am when we do these podcasts, because we get to talk about growth and how to do it right and, you know... We so often have roundtable members uh, come into our organization, and they're, they're all they're focused on is growth, growth, growth. Of, but they're talking of revenue, right? And is that really the right strategy? You know, I've never been convinced that was the right way, and I think our next guest agrees with me, which is kind of wonderful. It's always good to have the guests agree with you. <laughs> yes, no kidding. <laughs> Although I know that controversy is a good thing for these, but I guess well, that's today, what I'm here for. <laughs> yeah, that's right, right. You'll throw it in. So, shall we dive in? Yes, please. Michael Hodgen is a general contractor and business consultant living in the Rogue Valley of Southern Oregon. He started his first construction company as a one-man show in 2000, eventually growing Coleman Creek Construction to include a successful team of 15. Michael joined Remodeler's Advantage in 2016 in an effort to deliver the greatest possible value to his clients, and now at this point, he is a Roundtable's group manager and one of the Remodeler's Advantage uh, stellar consultants, helping other remodelers be successful. And he does that through his own company, Maestro's Toolbox. Welcome, Michael. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Sure. Definitely. We're delighted to have you. Now, we had you pr- do this presentation at last year's summit that we held in Orlando for nearly 600 remodeling professionals. So I've asked you to uh, resurrect it and repeat it on this podcast because I think it's a powerful message. Yeah, well, thank you. I mean, uh, the the presentation about tiered growth was um, an, an overall topic that I felt like a lot of general contractors like me that started as a one-man uh, show as a craftsman who turned into businessmen um, as they grew – didn't really have uh, a lot of resources in the administrative and the business side of the world in in the field. When you start doing something on a, on a job site, there's always an older craftsman and somebody to, to see you doing something and, and suggest, well, here's a better way to do it. Mm-hmm. And then you learn. Right. And then those same contractors would go to the office and get in the office and try to do business uh strategy, business planning, business administrative stuff, and not have anybody over the shovel to help them um, think about things in a way that is going to actually facilitate growth and profitable growth. So um, because I went through it as a one-man band who built the company, and I got to do that a couple of times, um, 
I got to really get deliberate about how I would do that. And uh, it was good to share what I've learned. And if uh, people can uh, take bits and pieces of it and apply it to their company and be more successful, then um, makes me happy. Good. Great. You know, um, so I'm looking forward to hearing this, but there was, this, there was a gentleman that was in the industry a long time ago, and he's since passed away, but he had a saying that resonated with me, and it was all about, is growth the thing, right? And it, it was volume kills, profit thrills. It's not about just growing for the sake mm. of growth. It's growing profitably, if you, as you just said. So dive in. Tell us, what is tiered growth? So basically, the concept of the tiered growth is that um, – there's certain uh, marks in a, in a company's growth of infrastructure you need to run your company. And uh, growing your company means adding personnel and team members. And uh, if you do it on a tiered system to where you, you, you take a step to a particular uh, volume of work and then prove that success a second year onboarding the personnel you need to take the next step during that uh, period of having things uh, stable and under, understanding your business, um, you can take these steps up and each step can become profitable and deliberate. Um, and basically you're proving the concept that the, the team you have, the people that are wearing the hats that you're taking off, they're owning those hats and you have an ability to to count on them to do what they need to do so that you can focus on taking up another hat. So um, the, the basic principle is, is pick a sales uh, goal and hit that goal and then hit it again the next year. And when you're hitting it again the next year, you're looking ahead to the next step and you're onboarding the personnel and you're creating the systems and the processes and you're looking at the metrics that um, are going to tell you if you're ready to take that next step. Well, so you obviously experienced this. Can you tell us a little bit about those steps and, and how you set that the, those sales goals and just how it worked in your experience with Coleman Creek? Yeah, absolutely. I mentioned earlier I got to do it twice because when I started, the market was good and I grew and I had all of a sudden had three crews. And um, But what I also had was a lack of understanding of the people I needed to uh, run the show and I ended up with a lot of volume and less profit than when I only had one crew. So when the market uh, crashed and uh, for me, it was about 09, 10 where really things hit bottom and I had a lot of time to think about it. And I kind of put together a strategy of how I wanted to come out of that. And, um, you know, each market is different. So sales goals um, are going to be a little bit different, but for our small, um, town of 20 some thousand people um i targeted 1.5 million dollars as a as a goal that i wanted to to hit um and i knew that to, to hit that goal i was going to need a full-time office administrator so that was for me the first step and when i got that off uh, operations administrator into the office work on the systems and the processes um, we hit the $1.5 million goal and we had people calling us and we had a long uh, list of opportunities to, to grow the company. And, um, but out of that, I said, I, I don't want to grow the company. I want to hit $1.5 million again, and I want to do it more profitable with happier clients with less callbacks. Um, and I know to go to the next step for me, that was a $2.5 million, um, step. And I knew that as the production manager 
and the owners and sales to do two and a half million, I was, I was going to need a production manager. And I didn't want to be onboarding a production manager at the same time I was doing a million dollars more business than I had done the year before. So, uh, kind of halfway through the, uh, the $1.5 million two year window, I onboarded that production manager and, uh, he shadowed me for months and we worked with him for almost an entire year to get to where when we hit our sales goal and our profit goal at that 1.5 and he was onboarded, um, we said, we're ready. We're going to take the governor off and uh, we're going to aim for, for 2.5. Well, so when you were doing that, right? So you're at, you're hitting your 1.5 the first year with just the administrative office manager. The second year, you want to make mm-hmm. more money, same revenue-ish, right? In that same general range, you want to be more profitable, but you're adding a, an expensive key manager. So how? So were you still able with that additional overhead were you still able to increase your profits as you had hoped? I did. I think the, um, the, the overall trend was as you're onboarding, crop dipped a little bit, but then in the second year of kind of proof of concept that you're ready for that step, profit would go up because then that person would be trained. Um, the other thing about um, deciding to make these steps is, to have the metrics to kind of back up that you're ready to do that. So um, part of that is having a good sales uh, plan, a a sales cookbook, a way that you interact with um, your clients. But above and beyond that is a complete understanding of of your profit and loss, your job costs, and your labor burden. Because at those lower tiers, you kind of need to know that stuff to make sure you're being profitable. But as you grow, if you don't have a really good foundation, you could find out that you're adding overhead and not charging the money you need to, to right. do it. So one of the signs that you're ready to jump to that, that next tier, and for me that tier was 2.5, was I had a really clear understanding of my job costs and my labor burden. And when I did jobs, I was making sure that all of those costs were being accounted for so that when I charged an overhead and profit at the end of the job, the overhead was actually covering my overhead and the right. profit was actually there. I think that's one of the key steps that gets missed when people grow is, um, you know, a lot of contractors say, well, in our neck of the woods, contractors charge X percentage right. profit mm-hmm. and overhead. And it's more of an arbitrary thing, and it's more like, well, that's what everybody else is charging, so that's what I have to charge. But um, to be able to grow your company and um, uh, ensure that you're profitable, you can't do what everybody else is doing. You have to decide how you're going to run your company, and you have to decide what your overhead is. And the service that you want to provide is going to cost a certain overhead. It can't be arbitrary compared to what everybody else is doing. It has to be what you want it to be right. and what you need it to be to provide the service. And then you, uh, if you have that in there, when you bid the jobs and your production manager brings them on time and on budget, then um, the overhead is there to cover. Okay, great. You know, this is going to be a little bit off, a little bit off to the side of our main topic, but one of the reasons that people 
um, are not as profitable as they hope oftentimes. It's like you had mentioned that you really had your job costs nailed. And I think that lack Mm -hmm. and inability to estimate properly and to include all the costs is a huge problem for people who think they know what they need to mark up, but they're not able to bring the jobs in on budget. How did you conquer that? Or did you, I mean, to, you know, avoid slippage? Is it estimating properly? Is it better management? What did you do so that you knew that you were going to bring the job in on target? Um, It's kind of difficult to pinpoint one thing because it's kind of everything. Um, I would say for one thing, everything is always changing and um, you can't, you can't take your eye off the ball. And as you move through and you onboard people and you get new lead carpenters and other people retire, everything is always shifting. So what we found is that tracking is the most important thing. So if you can track where it is your costs are coming from, and then you can draw correlations to why a job slipped, um, you know, at the end of a job, you review all the paperwork and you find out where it is. Um, you can begin to notice the trends and you can start looking at the lowest hanging fruit of what you can do to, to shore it up. And, you know, perfect example in our company is, is about June of this year. Um, you know, starting at the beginning of the year, I, I gave all the reins of production to my production manager. I said, you've been here four years. You're now for hiring and firing, you're, you're responsible for pay wages, um, and I'm going to step away and I'm going to work on this other part of the business. And at the same time, our two best lead carpenters decided to go out on their own ah. since we trained them so well to, to be able to do it. And we got some new, new lead carpenters, and our estimator was estimated uh, as if our tried and true lead carpenters who we had known for five years and trained. Um, and the guys in the field who were used to counting on those guys uh, weren't groomed to kind of step up and fill the hole. And then the new lead carpenters we had um, came from other companies that did things other ways. So there was bad habits that we had to trade. So come our mid-season review in June, we looked at slippage and, you know, we hadn't had uh, slippage issues in years. And all of a sudden, uh, we had slipped everywhere. So, you know, called the the company meeting state of the union. And I said, you know, here's where we're losing. And, you know, is it, is it the sales uh, problem? Because I'm not um, setting expectations on cost high enough when I start. Is it the estimating because the, the estimator isn't estimating right? Is it the lead carpenters because they're not being as prepared? Is it the laborers on the job site? Um, you know, not, not giving it their all on a day in and day out. And so the answer is yes, it's, it's all those things because it takes a team, you know, to do this. And um, I said, you know, I give bonuses every year at Christmas and I would love to give bonuses again this year, but we, we all have to step up and, and my, my team did. So the, the idea that if I hadn't been looking at where we were slipping and hadn't been analyzing the information of, where things were going through, you know, whip reports and job costs and labor burdens. Um, I might not have had that meeting in the middle of the year. Right. And he could have just kept rolling along and got to the end of the year. So by, by 
being able to keep these metrics, um, you can really head some things off of the pass and, and get your team engaged to, you know, be part of the solution. Okay, great, good. It's, it's not like you get this stuff, fig- yeah, it's not like you get this stuff figured out and then it's figured out forever. It's, it's ever, ever right. changing and ever evolving and, and it's a constant you know, review process. The numbers. Mm-hmm. There's feedback loops happening all the time. And you have to look at those feedback loops. And uh, there's so many feedback loops. And you, you, you can't take enough time to... There's always more time to look at those feedback loops. Because the more that you look at them, the more you're going to find things that are going to make your company more profitable. Okay, cool beans. Now, Michael, you talked about your hitting philosophy. What is your hitting philosophy? Um, the hitting philosophy is just based on the idea that that you have to set goals to be able to hit them, right? If you don't have your goals in place, you're not going to hit them. So it starts all the way down from, from the laborers that, you know, they're going to get to the job site and their goal is to hit this. They're going to be cutting wood in the field by, you know, 745. And the, the lead carpenters are setting up these, um, uh, these whiteboards on the job site that says, this is how many hours you have to do this. And this is how much, how many hours we have to do that. Um, here's our three week outlook. We're going to stay on the schedule. So everybody in production are hitting, um, you know, hitting those goals. On the administrative side, it's the same thing. Your sales team has to have goals to hit, and your um, all your different office staff has to have things that they're looking at daily, weekly, monthly that they are working towards. Because it's fairly well proven that if if you set goals and you and you hit them. It's again that positive feedback loop. If you don't have those set and you're not really focused on hitting those goals, um, the, the days and the weeks can just roll along. So in our company, we just really try to break it down to have goals that you know you're always hitting. And, and what I tell my guys and I tell my team is that you know we're all humans and um, humans are prone to make mistakes and we're, we're looking for not perfection we're just looking for a very high batting average so and i thought it was kind of interesting that you, you mentioned that your the lead carpenters on each job have a whiteboard on each job and have broken down tasks for that day that week so that that everybody on the job can see where they stand is that right yeah exactly so if uh you know if it's a particular phase so, so we do all of our jobs in phases so there's a certain amount of hours allocated for each phase of the job and that goes on the whiteboard and then we get our junior leads and our laborers involved in the process to understand what the target was so that they have a chance to hit it and when they have that board to look at and they're looking at their hours the motivation to win that little game for the day or for the week mm-hmm. um, gets them involved. And then, you know, for a junior lead, it gives them an opportunity to say, um, you know, when our estimator decides how many hours that phase will take, then he meets with the lead carpenter and then they put their heads together and then they finalize a number and the lead, the lead comp- 
contractors onboarded on that. Then our, our junior leads actually get to write the hours they think on the board okay. before the lead carpenter put what we put in. So it's kind of training them to think about how long it is. And inevitably, they always think it's going to take less time than it is, right. and, which is always good. When the lead says, well, that's great. You think you can do it in 80 hours. We got 100 hours in for it. Um, but then they're motivated. They still think, well, I'm going to still try to do it in 80 because I said 80. So we're kind of training them to estimate um, the hours because that's the biggest possibility for slippage is in-house labor that's when right. they're doing, uh-huh. doing work. Okay. So, um, Michael, do you know what um, – would you like to do the lightning round now? Uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> and now, here's the Remodeler's Advantage lightning round. It's a trap. <laughs> okay. All right, let's do this. We're going to put 60 seconds on the clock. What's your favorite business book and why? Um, great Game of Business. It's the first thing that comes to mind because of the uh, – the games and the targets and getting the team involved. If you weren't a consultant and owner of Maestro's Toolbox and a remodeler, what do you think you'd be doing? I'd be a music producer. What are you not very good at? Uh, I am not good at being patient. I want everything to happen right away. Your room, your desk, or your car. Which do you clean first? Ooh, the, the room, definitely. What do you think of wind chimes? Um, I am auditorily sensitive, so it would depend on the tone of the wind wind chimes. Some wind chimes I love, and some would kill me. Do you play games on your phone? No, I don't. I don't. How often do you buy shoes? Once every six months. (laughs) Wow. That's quite a bit. Hey, Michael, this was great. Thank you for sharing your philosophies of, you know, tiered growth and step-by-step and really following uh, a process, not getting ahead of yourself and making sure that you're prepared to grow your business profitably at each step. So that's awesome. So thank you for sharing that. Now, before before we leave, before we let you go, I want you to share with our listening audience your five words of wisdom and why they resonate with you. All right. Uh, Most importantly, work-life balance. If your batteries aren't charged in your personal life, you will drain yourself and won't be able to enjoy your personal life or your work life. No kidding. Here, here. I'm with you there, buddy. All right. Well, thank you again for being here and being part of uh, Power Tips Unscripted. And uh, we'll be seeing you at a lot of the spring roundtable meetings, won't we? Uh, Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right. Appreciate it, Michael. All right. Take care. You know, I think Michael shared some really good uh, practical tips for remodeling company owners. Do you? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I do. You know, again, the whole idea, it's over and over and over. People are like, I want to grow to be 5 million. I want to grow to be 10 million. I want to grow to be 3 million, whatever, without really having mastered where they are now. It's so often that is the number one. It's a vanity metric. Right. right? Just kind of like being able to puff out your chest and Mm -hmm. saying, I I own a $10 million company. Right. I lost $300,000 last year, but I'm a $10 million company. You know, Mm -hmm. how many times have we seen a $2 million company outperform Mm -hmm. a nine, $10 million company? Yeah. It's it's not uncommon because it it is. It's just vanity Mm -hmm. or it could be if you're not doing it right. Right. 
And again, I love the concept of making sure you're seriously profitable, your systems are dialed in. And like to think about it, he onboarded his production manager for nearly a year. How many people take that sort of patience to get somebody up to speed? I know. Yeah, it's nuts. It's great. Good, because it ensures that profitability, which is really what this is all about. The scorecard of small business. Absolutely. Well, we want to thank Michael for taking the time to share his tiered increase strategy. And we want to thank you for being here week in and week out. I am Mark Harari. And I'm Victoria Downing. See you next week. This has been another episode of Power Tips Unscripted, the Remodeler's Guide to Business. Visit www.remodelersadvantage.com to learn more about Roundtables, our world-class peer advisory program. There you can also find information about our business consulting services, upcoming live events, and much more. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to the show and comment on iTunes. Thanks for listening. It's a beautiful day. It's a beautiful day. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It's a beautiful day.